that brings us up to 9 a.m. on this Wednesday, the 23rd of September. We welcome one and all to Community Pulse, KOPN's live locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. We're so very glad that you're with us. Community Pulse has a production schedule of Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. If you happen to miss any of the episodes, no worries. They are uploaded to our website, also our Facebook profile, and you can find them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, too. So very pleased this morning to welcome back host Ginny Chadwick. She is our local public health advocate. And we're also so very privileged to have Daryl Bascom joining us. He is a local Columbia resident. Daryl, welcome this morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. Daryl, thanks so much for joining this morning. So we hit a milestone in the United States. So we have not been giving the... um, global and national numbers, but I do want to today after yesterday, the United States um, toppling over 200,000 deaths from COVID-19. So globally, we've seen 31,600,000 cases of COVID-19 across the globe with almost 7 million of those cases being in the U.S. And um, that's John Hopkins data. When we look at um, worldometer.info, it looks like we're averaging about 280,000 cases per day across the globe um, with an average daily death um, of over 5,000 from COVID-19. And as we look at just the U.S. numbers and we compare that to other countries, you know, the U.S. is still um, has the, the highest number of cases identified of COVID-19, the highest number of deaths. And I want to remind our listeners, as I, I know many of them know, but we are not the most populous country. Um, and, and so when we see that the United States is leading on um, COVID cases and, and COVID deaths, we know that we unfortunately do not have this virus anywhere under control. And I hear often people are like, I'm so over COVID. And I say, but COVID isn't over us, as we see by our numbers. Um, when we look at the state of Missouri, um, so Matthew Holloway's data, as we report, we've had over 120,000 cases of COVID-19 identified. And we now are um, at our highest average cases per day. So we're averaging over um, 1,600 cases per day of COVID-19 identified in the state of Missouri. And um, yesterday we had 1,885 cases. And our positivity rate is increasing. So we're now at 13.8% as a state. Um, We did have 36 deaths identified from COVID-19 over 400 deaths just in, in this month identified per Matthew Holloway's reporting. Um, so numbers are, are still very high in the Midwest and in the state of Missouri. Boone County yesterday identified 68 new cases of COVID-19 for September the 22nd. Um, so we now total 4,300 and 70 cases in Boone County with about 350 active cases in the county. Um, For those of you who haven't gone to, the Boone County hub is really great at identifying our positivity rate right now. So the number of 
The percentage of new cases divided by the number of tests is 17%. World Health Organization says that needs to be below 5% or you have community spread, which we know we know in Boone County we have community transmission. Um, over 34% of our cases are community transmission, meaning that you don't know where you got it from. So, Daryl, you have a unique experience and perspective um, of looking at this as, as our county and our community experiences this. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Are you speaking about my exper- own experience with COVID-19? Yeah, I think that for us yeah. as a community, like, you know, we now have thousands of identified cases a lot of people it's touched us personally and i think for you you know you have an even more intimate um experience so you know i think it's important for our listeners to hear that yeah well those numbers you just um informed us of are staggering and overwhelming and as i was listening to that i was reflecting back to where in my family the first got the virus back early on in March, end of March. I actually tested positive April 1st. And uh, I guess the, the my experience, my wife and I both got really, really sick, and we exchanged turns in dropping each other off at the emergency room. Um, hers was just a day stay. They were able to get the pain under control and pump her full of fluids and I was able to pick her up eight hours later back at the ER drop-off driveway with a disaster tent out front. And, of course, you know, we've called kind of immune to this activity at this point, but back in March, that was a very scary thing as we were watching things unfold with medical ships pulling up on the coast of New York and everything that was transpiring in New York in March. And then for my own family... Sorry. It's okay. So, out of the blue, find out that we were all really sick. My kids, my wife, myself, and we had all taken, you know, the, the response to, to the virus very serious. And all of a sudden, we all had it. And right here in Columbia, Missouri, and I think we were. In the first 30, I think when they were announcing cases, I think that the number still hadn't hit 30 yet when I tested positive on April 1st. I mean, somebody could do the math and check that or not. But my yeah. recollection is we were right around number 30 in Boone County to be test positive. Um, my experience, you know, the first week of having it, it kind of gave us the shrugs. It was like, oh, wow, this is it. This is what we're been scared for. Mm-hmm. And then a week later of those typical flu-like symptoms, they turned worse. And the pain was so indescribably intense. I, I, we, I, we just aren't able to articulate the type and the amount of pain that we were in the second and third weeks of the COVID experience. Um, I, I, uh, after picking Carrie up from the hospital a few days later, I woke up in the middle of the night just deathly sick. 
and I didn't know if I was going to make it to the bathroom in time or not. And I spent two or three hours in there um, coming to and in and out of consciousness and passing out on the floor, and I could not stop throwing up. And then what that turns into dry heaves, and my head felt like it was going to explode. And I just, of course, everybody in my house was asleep, and I just had to cry out for somebody to come help me. I couldn't even get up off the floor, couldn't crawl back to the bedroom. I was, I knew at that point something was really, really wrong with me, and it was beyond just cold and flu. So, uh, we, Carrie took me to the ER drop off at like one in the morning that night, first week of April. And I spent a week in the COVID floor there that the university hospital had so well transformed and prepared for. Um, I think there was only three or four people on that entire floor, that COVID floor back then, first week of April. But it was intense and it was uh, scary. Um, Again, the, the, the amount of pain was indescribable, but I can tell you that it is so intense that you start thinking that suicide might be a, an answer or a way out. And I'm not a suicidal person, so when people start thinking like that, there's definitely something wrong. I think so often when we report, we report the numbers, right? And you said at the time there was only a handful of people on the floor. Right now, um, the Boone County Health Department is reporting that there is 51 hospitalized cases of COVID-19 in Boone County wow. alone. And 16 of those are Columbia or Boone County citizens, right? And there's 22 people currently in ICU with COVID-19 in Boone County um, and 14 individuals in our county that are on a, rest, a ventilator. Um, So wow. they're not numbers, right? Um, right. They're, they're After laying in that bed, yeah, it's not a number. It's it's a person. And I think when it this hasn't happened to you or your family, it's hard to wrap your head around that. And like you said earlier, people are, oh, I'm over COVID, and they just want to move on. So, Daryl, after your experience, how has that changed the way you – because, you know, you were very early on. Um, so maybe not change, but the, what is your perspective as we as a community talk about this virus when we put regulations in place to protect other individuals? Well, gosh, uh, it's just so disheartening how divisive and politicized everyone has made this disease and our reaction and response to it. I, I've, my heart goes out to our community leaders that are just trying to do the right thing in every step of the way, um, from CPS to the city to the health department. There's nobody in the, any of those fields that are trying to be malicious in any way other than looking out for other people's health. But the way we've all watched it, be politicized, and it's turned it into a divisive situation. So it has been really disheartening for me, and obviously the scary part of the disease is I've, I had one experience. I have other contacts, friends, that had a different experience. Some, I've had multiple friends with COVID-19, 
some that were hospitalized, some that didn't have anything beyond that cold and flu, and some that were just asymptomatic altogether. So it's just so dangerous because of those things. It attacks every person's immune system differently. Therefore, people don't take it quite as serious. Well, I'm going to roll the dice. Right. Um, Because we know that there's the asymptomatic cases. Um, So as you've watched the mask ordinance debate unfold in our community, um, what has that looked like for you? Again, it's just disheartening. It's uh, even if, what if the mask thing was not doing anyone any good? What does it hurt? What if it so outweighs the chance of being able to not infect another person at the grocery store, at the gas pump, at the restaurant? I, I just don't understand how people can feel the opposite of that, the way that those of us that don't mind being troubled by wearing a mask. I don't enjoy wearing a mask, but it's the least I can do for my community. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so that's that's my perspective. Dis- yeah, there's a lot of discussion about, okay, so once you have the virus, you potentially have um, some form of immunity. And, you know, obviously it's a new virus and we don't know a lot about it, but we think, you know, that there's possibly T-cell immunity to this. So um, I, I'm curious, have you been involved in or done research on, you know, what immunity looks like in any studies that we have on, on long-term immunity? I haven't. Um, there's just, it's, as you stated, it's just so early in this disease. Mm-hmm. We don't, know enough to make good hypotheses. Um, we don't know enough to, to know actual facts. So we, my family, we're kind of middle of the road on it. We don't want to bank on the fact that we're just going to be immune to it because we all tested positive back in April. Who, who knows, right? So we don't bank on that. We're hopeful for that. We're really hopeful for that. Or even if it, if it, you know, created antibodies where if we do catch it again, it's not going to be near the situation that we were placed in back in April. Maybe our body works better against it, but and we don't bank on that fact. We don't not wear a mask. Well, screw it. You know, we already had it. I'm not wearing a mask. I guess I could mm-hmm. form that attitude, but I'm yeah. still going to roll with the guidelines and the policies and the, the best practices, you know, in order to do what I can for my community. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you were such an early case. And at that point in time, we didn't know a lot about transmission. But what we know now in Boone County is about half of the individuals that we identify who have COVID-19, we know the contact that they got the case from. So we are able to contact trace to identify. But the other 50%, um, we're either pending, like we don't know yet. We know it was from community transmission, like all of our contact tracing is not identifying those individuals, um, mm-hmm. or that we have a very small number now. And I think, you know, like I looked at the CDC's website and they still say, don't travel, you have a high risk. And community travel, travel, known travel cases is only at 2% in our community. Um mm-hmm. Was the health department, or were you guys able to contact trace where the virus came from for you guys? 
if they if they did, they did not share that information with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and mean, back then there was only one, and it was in the news, so I'm not disclosing anything that wasn't already public knowledge. But okay. our our kids uh, go to Russell Elementary, and two days later, after they called school on March, was it March 17th? Uh, two yeah. days later, they announced that one of the staff members from Russell Elementary tested positive for COVID-19. So we assume, we don't know where it came from, mm-hmm. but that is the only, in doing our own tracing, that is the only cross paths that our family came in, in contact with somebody. Nobody at my work for months, three the next three months, nobody at my work tested positive. Nobody at my wife's work tested positive. But definitely somebody at my kid's school that week that they stopped school, some of the staff member tested positive there. So it had to be and, community transmission. Yes. I was, was going to say, we know that community transmission occurs. We don't know at that point where it is. We know that our community had a big event bringing people across the world to our community um, with the True False Film Festival um, mm-hmm. just, you know, a couple weeks before. So um, it is hard to know where the cases come from. And I think that that's Dale, just kind of what we want to highlight is that um, we don't always know where we get it and we can be safe and, and, you know, protecting our family. And that doesn't mean we don't have it. So when we think about testing rates right now, um, just to highlight to our community, you know, we had a, a really low day the other day on, on September the 20th, only 16 people tested positive. But I want to highlight that only 46 people got tested in Boone County that day. Um, mm. So our testing numbers are typically pretty, I think, lower than the public be- knows. Um, and I know that there's been information coming in because Boone County Health Department wasn't getting all of the testing numbers from the state health department. And so our positivity rate was higher, right? There was all, all the right. buffle about we had a 44.6% testing rate, uh, right. positivity rate. But but we found out later that that rate was actually 8.9%, which is much, much lower than what was going on or what we believed to be going on. And that was because we weren't getting the testing numbers in from the state. We believe we're getting those in now. And over the last two weeks, the testing numbers have, our positivity rate have gone up. So we had a positivity rate of 16.8% and then 23%. Our positivity rate right now is at 17.1%. Um, again, over 5%, um, according to the World Health Organization, means that you do have community transmission, and so people can get mm-hmm. infected and not know it. People can be asymptomatic and passing it to people. So the health department reported that on the 22nd, or the 21st, sorry, um, that we had 73 people test. Um, for COVID-19. Again, like I just want to give perspective to the community on how many people are testing for COVID-19 because we've heard recently that we've had some big um, open to the public, you know, no doctors, no required um, community testing opportunities and the test rates for those opportunities have been pretty low, you know, under the 500s. And so, if we have broad community spread and we know it, we're going to continue to encourage the public to get tested at those testing opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. So other thoughts that you have as we progress through 
making decisions as a community on what happens. We have a big event coming up this weekend um, with bringing in, um, you know, people from across the country probably for a, a home football game. That team travels like no other. But thankfully, there's a there's no tailgating allowed, and there's a very limited amount of tickets available. So, mm-hmm. but yes, that is something to consider. I'm going to yeah. be at home this weekend. <laughs> As we hope many of you listening are. Um, but you know, I think that there's only so much COVID capital, should we call it that, um, and, mm. and that will. We look at, um, so the CPS rate, the Columbia Public Schools has set a hybrid model um, that if we are under 10 people per day um, for over for the 10,000 um, per, per person population, that we will go to full in person. If we are between 10 and 50, um, we will go to a hybrid two-day-a-week model. And then if we are over 50, we'll be all virtual. And as, you know, most Boone County citizens know, our kiddos are at home right now, as you well are well aware. Um, oh, it's tough. I, I would much rather, I, I mean, we share the same view on this subject, but I would much rather have the priority of our city and our community, the priority be that our kids be in school before we extend the hours for bars. I just don't get that. Yeah, and so the bar owners tell us that their economic impact is great. Um, We have 20,000 kiddos at home right now um, with families, I think, struggling. How does that look at your house with the the kids? Well, you know, I'm privileged. I have a job. My job had no interruption. My wife's job had no interruption. So we were able to have a couple of computers set up in a couple of rooms. And we are probably doing much better than the average Joe in that respect. But even that said, it is a struggle. It is a struggle to get, you know, my elementary kid, he's okay. He has one teacher, has one Zoom link, but I have another kid that just started junior high this 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 year and or middle school, and he has a different Zoom link every hour, and he is not a kid that has initiative to just be on that hour and go to that next Zoom link, and it's a, it's a little bit of a struggle, you know. I'm sure there are some brainiac kids out there that this is fine. It's not that big of a deal to, but I think for the average kid, they need to be out in the community uh, learning their social skills as, as at the same time they're learning their educational. And you mentioned every hour, but I want to point out that it is not on the hour that these kids move. It is not on the hour. Sometimes it's 1028. Sometimes it's 1115. Sometimes it's 105. I mean, I've literally had to break down and get this kid a phone, which we, you know, didn't want our middle schooler to have a phone, but in this day and age, we got to. But I mostly just to set alarms for him. So three minutes before each class time, I had to create an alarm to give him a reminder to get to the next class. So. Yeah, I mean, I have a high school student, and even my high school student, you know, it, it, the time varies so much, you know. 10, 10, or, you know, that's not a high school time, yeah. I should say, publicly. But um, <laughs> right. I it, it, it is 
it is an interesting dynamic, I think, around many of our homes who have our Columbia Public School kids here learning. And, and again, I am privileged, too, that I am able to, to be at home. Um, so when we think I, of COVID capital, uh, and as I, we know... I, I yeah, just want ahead. to say, I didn't say any of that to be derogatory to CPS, because, man, those teachers... I've, I've been around with my kids on those Zooms, and those teachers are rock stars. CPS have done a great job in just trying to adapt and keep our kids in some sort of school. And I think everybody, I mean, my, you asked me my perspective earlier. I would just ask people from both sides, from both parties, because unfortunately in this country we only have two parties, to show grace for each other and show grace for our community leaders that we're all trying to do the best thing, you know? Yeah. And I too will echo how impressed I am with the Columbia public school. But again, reiterate that we only have so much capital here and that when we use it for a home football game or to extend bar hours, like, there's recognition that our positivity rate and our, um, you know, cases per 10,000, you know, they're, they're in unstable right now. And so, you know, I've heard the Columbia Public School is talking about, you know, the, a phase in that the first kiddos that will go back will potentially be our kindergarten through second grade kids. Um, and that way we can see what happens. And I think that the Columbia Public School is get, getting very little of our capital um, where that, you know, and maybe I'm expressing my opinion a little more than normal today, but um, that that capital that we use for events or for community, um, that, that it is so vital to get our kids in school. And we know that there's huge inequities um, in education when they are not in, able to be in school. Yeah. So I want to talk about masks for just a little bit because I have heard <laughs> in the last couple of days, I've heard some interesting um, ways that people are using masks. And so I wanted to share some information um, about masks. There's some recent data that came out um, that's really exciting that co um, we believe that masks might be giving um, people immunity to COVID-19 and that we know that when you're wearing a mask, you reduce the viral load of the of transmission. And so there's there's a study that's suggesting that perhaps um, we're getting a very low viral load of the virus through the mask and that there might be more asymptomatic infections than we know. Um, so again, that would mean that potentially those asymptomatic people could be transmitting the virus. Um, but there's some promising research in the New England Journal of Medicine that says that there is a theory that universal mask wearing might be helping reduce the severity of the virus, ensuring a greater portion of infections are asymptomatic. So that's really exciting. Um, when we talk about wearing masks, there's been a lot of discussion on how long can you wear a mask for or reuse a mask. So if you have a cloth mask, can you wear it? several days in a row, if you have a disposable mask, that again. So I do want to point out that the CDC says that you should um, remove your mask and wash it after every wearing. So if you take your mask off, then you should launder it. Um, and that machine washing and drying in the hottest 
um, heat that your dryer setting has is the safest way to clean your mask. Um, and that uh, looking at John Hopkins' um, website, you know, they also say that you should, you know, always wear a mask. When you take off the mask, take it off with the, the hoops around your ears rather than touching the, um, the cloth part that's covering your, your nose and your mouth. And that disposable masks should be thrown away, removed and thrown away, and that um, once you take off a reusable mask, it should be laundered. Um, so interesting, I, I will also say, you know, there's not, it's not, there's some guidance to say that you can reuse a disposable mask. So um, that if the mask isn't damp or doesn't show um, wear and tear dirt particles is not soiled, that you could potentially reuse it. To reuse the mask, they recommend putting the mask in a good, a well-ventilated place. And um, one uh, part of this uh, research suggests maybe a brown paper bag um, because it's ventilated. We think that the virus can live on cardboard surfaces for about 24 to 48 hours so that you would leave it in that well-ventilated place. For 24 to 48 hours before re-wearing the mask. Again, if it was soiled or dirty, then you would dispose of it. So um, just some things that I've been hearing. Any last thoughts, Daryl, before we turn it over to KOPN um, and our next show? No, uh, I just reiterate to ask everyone to show grace for each other in this, these tough times. I look yeah. forward to our kids getting back in school, even at a hybrid model. I'd be, I'd be thankful for right now. I know. Well, thank you so much for sharing your personal experience with COVID. Um, I know that it, it helps me to better understand what our community members are going through. Peter, yeah, back to you absolutely. in the studio. And, yeah. Thank you very much, Jenny, and also a very special thanks to Daryl Bascom for joining us today to discuss his personal experience with COVID. We thank Daryl, we thank Jenny, we thank you, the listener, for tuning in to Community Pulse, which you can catch here live from the downtown KOPN studios Mondays and Wednesdays, 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. If you happen to miss a portion of today's episode or would like to share it with friends, no worries. We will be uploading it to our website and our Facebook profile, and you can find Community Pulse on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We wish everyone in Columbia a pleasant weekend. The next live edition of Community Pulse will come your way at 9 a.m. on Monday with Mallory Daly and Elizabeth Alleman. Thank you again so much for joining us and keeping your radio tuned to 89.5 FM, your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. Do stay safe and stay informed this weekend, Columbia. We appreciate you. Speak to you on Monday. <laughs>